Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Entertainment Expansion. We are your hosts, Tyler Callahan and Mike Ferrante. Mike, how are you doing this week? Well, Tyler, this week I am pretty much chilling. How about yourself? Uh, same here. It's been a it's been a good week so far, and uh, we have a good topic today. Uh, last week we got uh, some of our rage out about some of the trash we had to watch, but this week we got to take it easy, nice, calm discussion about what we enjoyed this year in 2019 and what were some of our best movies. So it's going to be a lot like last week. We each have our top five. Quick thoughts about it, back and forth, till we each have our number one. So I'll kick it off with you, Mike. What is your number five for favorite movie of the year? Well, my number five for favorite movie of the year, which might come to a surprise to you, is none other than Dr. Sleep. The continuation of The Shining, the long-awaited sequel, I mean, there's something about the movie that I just genuinely liked. The acting was solid. I enjoyed where the plot went. It didn't really feel like a letdown to me. Like, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock to me, but because um, obviously we've had an episode of going about it, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I think with all the hype now around the uh, director's cut, I might give it another watch and see if I can uh, have a second thoughts on it. But, I, I mean, I, I know you really enjoyed it as a... Good uh, continuation of The Shining, so yeah, I should get some praise. Uh, for my number five, it is one of the big movies of the year, at least in awards. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I was considering whether if this would make the top five or not, but I put it up there. It, this movie really, really relies on Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio carrying this movie, but considering it's them almost hanging out for three hours, it works. It's great. The chemistry on with them together is fantastic. The characters are like well written specifically for them. It's great, and yeah, it's a it's a slow movie. Most of the movie, no offense, Quentin Tarantino doesn't really have a plot, but really just seeing them go around their their day to day life, and I thought it was great. And of course, who doesn't love a little classic Tarantino action at the end? So definitely a solid movie. I'm inclined to agree with you there. So for my number four, it's uh, another shock for you, I'm sure. It is Rocket Man. No, that's that's another surprising pick. You got me there. Yep. Well, the thing I really enjoyed about Rocket Man is the outstanding performances. Like this is definitely a year where performances are strong. I mean, it's there are scenes where it's hard to tell the difference between Tyron Edgerton and Alton John. Yes, it's like he's just spot on. The way he sings, he's got his mannerisms. The way he performs, he. Really nailed it, and to me, it's the better Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, I, I know you mean that as a compliment, and you're probably right, but to be honest, being better than, than Bohemian Rhapsody, not much, not much effort. But I, I know what you mean. I, mean, I have uh, I haven't seen Rocket Man myself, but it does annoy me how Rocket Man, besides the Golden Globes, is getting kind of snubbed at the Oscars. Meanwhile, Bohemian got a lot of nominees it didn't deserve. Another thing I really enjoyed about the movie is how flawlessly they intertwine the story with musical numbers so the movie is is kind of like a frankenstein of backstory and musicals at the same time but without having the jarring musical effect so it's very similar in the way that la la land was it had a coherent story with musical numbers within oh that sounds nice yeah because for me i I really enjoyed la la land because it's unique way of doing a musical because i really am not a fan of like Okay, well, we have to stop here and sing and dance for five minutes. So if Rocket Man's a lot like La La Land, I might give it a watch in in that sense. 
it definitely drew inspiration in that sense. All right. Well, for my number four, you might be shocked on how low this is on the list, but the movies at the end of the year really just knocked it down a bit. No fault of its own. But John Wick 3, Parabellum. John Wick, uh, it's Keanu Reeves, uh, the whole stunt team, action team behind it, they're killing it. I mean, really, these, uh, I know over in Asia, the Raid movies have been fairly praised for their action choreography over the past few years and well-deserved. This is America's version of that, I guess. Just excellent hand-to-hand combat, knife combat, gun combat, whatever you want. Uh, Keanu Reeves does it all. And obviously the people he goes against uh, do a fantastic job as well. Uh, Halle Berry, I don't know where she's been the past few years. She came back. She was great in this as well. But the plot, for the most part, was pretty good. And I liked how they're opening up for a fourth one. My only issue with it is that it feels like it should have wrapped up here. But where they're going with it, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, so this kind of segues into my next movie, which is John Wick Chapter 3. So we'll just kind of piggyback off of what you said. Yeah, the action was great. Acting was great. Uh, I feel like the story kind of, it. you're right, it should have been wrapped up. But besides that, I mean, it it told a really coherent trilogy story that didn't really lack in any sense except for the fact it really should have been the end of the trilogy. Yeah, I'm like, like I trust them. I trust they'll make a good fourth movie. Obviously, they've planned this, but I'm cautiously optimistic because like, they could have wrapped it up here and it would have been a perfect trilogy that everyone would remember. So is the fourth movie going to overstay its welcome? You know, we gotta got to wonder about that. Uh, all right, so that was your number three, right? So back to me. <clears throat> that is correct. All right, so my number three is Joker. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised it's on my top five list. Once, you know, we talked about before, once they announced who was working on the movie, who was in the movie, you know, I knew it was going to be at least a good movie, and it was really, really good. Uh, I know a lot of critics are like, oh, well, you know, it's like a 14-year-old version of like, oh, it's trying to be deep, and it's not deep, and it's like, all right, it's not super deep, but the themes around the movie are deep enough, especially for a comic book character. Right. Like, you know, with Disney and Iron Man, like you're not going to deal with Iron Man and his uh, PTSD or alcoholism that much. You know, they touched on it. So to have Warner Brothers actually take a risk with an R rated version of the Joker and give it a sizable budget. It was around 50 to 70 million. You know, it was a decent amount of money. It paid off. It's a genuinely good movie. You have a killer performance from Joaquin Phoenix. It broke records left and right is the only R rated billion dollar movie. And one of the few billion-dollar movies this year, not from Disney. So, overall, this movie was a resounding success. It showed, I think, because I think up to this point, not a lot of people of mainstream audience knew of Joaquin Phoenix. This put him on the map for that. And to people who weren't a big fan of Todd Phillips, maybe he won some people over. But I had a good time watching this. Definitely not for the faint of heart. If you're looking for a good time comic book movie, go see Avengers, go see Spider-Man. This is a more serious take. And on that note, we're going to segue into my number two movie, which is Avengers Endgame. You Not gotta, a comic like, book movie. You gotta give credit to the Endgame, so to speak. I mean, it mostly stems back from being younger when I saw the first Iron Man and seeing the whole original Avengers. And, and I enjoyed the story. The more I watch it, the more I like it. I like the more comedic elements, how it really feels like they grabbed all the directors throughout all the films are like, hey, give us a little bit of input for this movie. And I feel like it really worked out well because with all these characters and a different director, none of the characters felt different from their original movies, which isn't the easiest thing to do. 
because every director has their own idea and image on what characters should be. I mean, so you're you're right with that. I mean, just I think biggest example for that is uh, Thor from Thor one and two to jump to three. It's like oof. complete difference, night yeah. and day. And they kept all the elements for the original characters and the directors that coaxed them into those characters. <clears throat> and I was a big fan of that. And plus, it gave us a nice ending for at least Captain America. <laughs> Won't say it was a nice ending for Iron Man, but it was the ending he knew he would have. I mean, honestly, I was more of a fan of Iron Man's ending than Captain America's ending. I feel throughout most of the movies, they really hinted that Captain America could not live without war. So I thought of possible fitting ways that he went out against Thanos and that him dying in war is what brought peace. But, you know, I mean, it, it, this almost made my top five. It was number six. But the more I thought about it, it's like I liked Infinity War more. So it just dropped down. Yeah, you're right. Definitely what the Russo brothers did and what the entire Marvel Studios did with Endgame and tying all those movies into this one and have it work. And it worked flawlessly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it also shows how how much they are willing to go to get something perfect. So, like, it's been reported now that Borman hated Thor 2, hated working on the movie, was done. Not only did yep. they bring her back for a small role, she likes working with uh, Takiya Waititi so much and trusts him to make a good movie. She's back for Thor 4. Marvel Studios is bringing back actors left and right that were said they were done. So I, I think it shows how powerful they can be in, you know, unlike, say, DC, how, you know, consistent they can be. Uh, all right. So my number two would be Uncut Gems, possibly the finest role Adam Sandler has ever done, if not one of the most finest. It is. Put simply, a gripping drama about a gambling, a Jewish gambling addict who doesn't really does not know when to quit. Uh, since this is a more recent movie, I'll uh, not spoil it too much. But the performance is amazing. Antina Menzel, who voices Elsa, is also in it. She does great as well. Uh, really, just all around solid cast. Kevin Garnett, if you know basketball, this is his main debut, and he was really good. I mean, if you wanted to go into acting, you'd probably get some other smaller roles. And the uh, directing duo, uh, Safety Brothers, uh, coming off of, I believe, Good Time from like about two years ago. Solid, solid continuation. Good Time was a good movie. Mike, you recommended it to me. It was a good watch. And, you know, Uncut Gems was great. So I, I really look forward to what they have to do next. I'll be paying attention to them. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, Uncut Gems is definitely a solid movie. <laughs> it just narrowly missed my top five. Oh, just I thought it'd be your number one. Ooh. Just because of how irritating it was to okay. watch Adam Sandler's character just keep going back and back and back and back. It was nerve-wracking. It caused me anxiety. But that's what I love. Like Everyone was saying, oh, this is anxiety. And for me, I never felt anxiety until like the end of it, but just I just loved like, watching a train wreck of a guy. And he really was, because he really would have won several times throughout the movie if he just stopped but mm -hmm. he didn't that was yeah. his downfall all right so what's your number one then well i think you already know what it is and we're gonna make this real nice and short i'm gonna tell you why it's my number one obviously it is joker you know me i'm a huge dc guy i enjoy the fact that the joker's backstory is forever changing it's nothing set in stone but what really made this movie is joaquin phoenix's performance you 
have to give the man credit. If you guys haven't seen any of his other works, they're all really good. I mean, next to one of my favorite films, You Were Never Really Here, where he gives another amazing performance, this one outshines that. I'm not going to go into the political aspects of it, saying this, you know, this movie is about race or uh, class war and uh, mental health issues. It was a compelling story about a troubled man, troubled in the mental state, who's basically not known what a normal life really is, and his further regression into madness, and then finally snapping and becoming a social icon. And I gotta go back to it. It's Joaquin's performance that makes the movie. This movie would be nothing without that performance. Agreed. I I mean, yeah. Shot beautifully as well. The scoring is the same guy. I think I heard that the cinematographer for Joker is doing the Batman. I heard that right. Oof, Batman's gonna be looking good. I mean, they really had all the elements to make an amazing movie, and they did it. They had an amazing score great director who really showed he can do a serious drama from a long line of comedies proves he's got the the gumption to make it happen a compelling drama which doesn't heavily rely on violence or action or even that much dialogue to be honest but yeah no you're right for a comic book movie i mean technically it is there's not a lot of action in it it's a slow-paced drama and The, the thing is, is that, yeah, it's a slow-paced drama, but the tension and watching the guy's descent into becoming the Joker, it's fantastic to watch. Like, you're not bored at all. Like, I, like, I think it's about a two-hour movie, but I was never, like, checking my watch, like, oh, my God, can I move along until he becomes the Joker? Like, I was fine that he wasn't the Joker until, like, the last 30 minutes, and it worked. But, uh, I mean, that that's a solid pick for number one. I, I understand why. I know you're a big Batman Joker fan. I just have a quick question to you, because obviously, since it's broken a lot of records and has a lot of success, no one thought possible. What do you feel about a possible Joker 2? That idea's been thrown around. It's gotta be Todd Phillips again. Of course. Uh, Go on to the assumption, Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips are back. With the same writers? It could work, but it needs to have a really solid script. Otherwise, it's just a cash grab because this movie works perfectly as a one and done. It does. It's not connected to anything. It doesn't have to be connected to anything. It is just a DC story. And it's okay to leave it at that. It because is. Because it's been more than successful enough. But, but my <clears> Warner <throat> Brothers saw a billion dollars. They want more. No, of course they do. But... <laughs> Harry Potter's not bringing in that kind of money anymore. Let's be serious. Fuck them. They fucked up the DC. DC. <laughs> By not letting directors do what they need to do, which in this point really shows that if you let the directors do their fucking job, they can make a good movie out of it. But then again, this was a lot lower stakes. With all the advertising and promotions, Joker only cost about $70 million to make compared to Justice League's budget or Batman vs. Superman's budget. So I get it, a lot lower stakes, but the payoff for it was tremendous. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I don't think Warner Brothers looking, you know, this time last year is like, hot damn, we're going to have a Best Picture nominee in Joker. Like, I mean. Billion dollar movie. Yeah, billion dollar movie. Fucking Deadpool's come close twice to breaking that record. Nope. Nope. Joker's the one that doesn't. 
All right, so to wrap this up, my number one pick is Parasite. It is a South Korean film, and simply it is... I think what puts this one above the rest is very close, but the, there's, without saying what the twist is, there is one twist that made this a good movie to a great movie, and the fact that it felt like a comedy drama in like the first half... And then like a thriller in the second half, but it works well. It blends in perfectly. It's not like okay, I just feel like the you know the director and the uh, writer got bored and they wanted to do something else. No, it flows perfectly and it makes sense with what they do. Uh, the acting overall is great, and yeah, it's just really is a, it really is an odd movie where it's really funny like beginning, middle, and then more serious at the end as a good message about not cl- uh, not like joker with class warfare but just how the classes from the poor to middle to upper treat each other and how they view each other and apparently this is an issue in south korea as much as an issue in america and obviously it has seen some people here audience here has taken a connection to it it's made over you know 30 million dollars domestically here which uh for a subtitle film pretty rare overall it really does get it deserves it deserves the praise it's been getting and i do hope it does beat out 1917 for best picture at the oscars yeah i mean you i i personally haven't seen it yet but i know you've been given a very high praises since you've seen it and uh it'll definitely be interesting to see if that really can not steal the best picture but if it can won't this be the first foreign film to win a best picture nominee um i believe it is yes if it does it if it actually takes it uh roma came close about a year or two ago but that that did lose out to uh green book so you know we'll see maybe this is the year and uh not really connected to the oscars itself but the movie has become so big now that the director is going back and he is re-releasing it in a black and white version and he is signed to deal with hbo to turn the show into a series which I'm kind of worried about. It depends. I didn't catch that. Yeah, no, I, I completely catch why you're worried because a lot of the times these movies, they should just be standalones. You don't have to go into any more depth. Yeah, um, and the thing is, is uh, he hasn't said much besides that. Oh, it will go into more detail in between the film, which I'm fine with, but then you need to bring back the original cast. This needs to be a Korean drama on HBO. If they hire white people in America to replay the movie, it won't work. It won't. So we'll see. HBO could have a hit on their hands like uh, you know, Game of Thrones, Watchmen. But yeah, that's for a year or two down the road. Uh, so I think, yeah, that's... So Joker and Parasite are our number, number one films for 2019. Mike, if anyone wants to let us know about what they watched in 2019 and really enjoyed, where could they let us know? As always... You guys have a variety of options. Number one being our email, entertainmentexpansion at outlook.com. If that doesn't tickle your peaches, come on down to our Instagram page, which is properly labeled Entertainment Expansion. Feel free to direct message us, leave a comment on our latest posts, and lastly, come on down to our YouTube channel. We've got videos of several of the movies that we talked about here today. If you're interested, check them out. We look forward from hearing from you. Yep. Yep. We uh, 
have a good set there. And we do look forward from hearing what you thought of what, what you liked in 2019. Maybe we'll see in the YouTube comments the Lion King remake was number one. I'll heavily disagree with it. But hey, you know, we'll get to say it on air that you liked it. Uh, otherwise, again, that will be it for this week's episode of Entertainment Expansion. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.